welcome back to part two of the February edition of the Luton Town Sports Trust podcast. As mentioned at the end of part one, uh, in which you will have heard us talk about the transfer window, the recent matches, two real key players, player focus, and the exclusive chat with Reese Burke. We've let Simon go. It's just myself and James for the remainder of the podcast. Uh, coming up in this second part, we're going to look at Town's best three defenders. Who who are they? I'll get James's opinion. I'll also get his opinion on some really good chances suddenly coming out, and thankfully, hopefully, they'll consign some others to the bin. Um, we'll take a look ahead at some upcoming matches. There are so many of them, so we'll go up to Coventry. Uh, we'll discuss a certain cup tie that's on the horizon, which I'm sure we're all looking forward to. And I'll get James's reaction to events regarding the um, plans at Newlands Park. Uh, all of that coming up in this second part of the podcast, James. But first of all, let's talk about the defence then, because I mentioned in that chat to Reese at the end of uh, the first part of the podcast, I don't ever remember Luton's strength in depth in terms of central defenders to be as deep and as resourceful as they are right now. Um, usually when someone goes injured, even when we've been playing a back four, so two centre-halves, you've kind of been left thinking, oh Christ, you know, there's a weakness there. Now we're playing three, and amazingly, you know, there's five, at least five options for them. You know, you've got Cal, Naismith, you've got Sonny Bradley, you've got Reese Burke, Tom Lockyer, Gay Boscio, and of course, Glenn Ray couldn't get in in amongst that lot. So he's he's moved on to Wigan. It is unprecedented strength in depth. Yeah, I think it, I think it really is. And the formation as well, because I didn't think that the three worked last season. Um, it was obviously a work in progress, but they've they've nailed it. This season, to the point that the the in the if you listen to the previous part, where time was talking about the flexibility of the players that they can, you know, either play in the centre or the left or the right, uh, depending on sometimes the the opposition. Um, it, it is you're not looking at players getting injured and being worried at all anymore. I mean, you've got your skipper out at the minute. Sonny Bradley hasn't played for a while, and at the minute. I don't see how he gets back in other than, you know, he'd be a trusted player and the skipper. But they've got Naismith who can step into the skipper role uh, and has done. Uh, Lockyer, when he came back, although he's a bit rusty, um, he's an international player and that's what they brought him for. He's uh, very tenacious. Uh, He'll throw his body in the way of anything. Uh, It's good in the air. Uh, you've got Osho, who's just been, you know, revelation really since he's come in. Power and the pace of the guy. I th- think he's probably got to uh, develop a understanding of when's best to burst out uh, and and do his, his stuff there. But that'll come, you know. Considering he didn't, you know, when he, when he went out on loan, he'd only played the once or something, um, and then he had, had supplies trade at the bottom of. League One with Rochdale to go from that relegate relegation side up there, Spotlands to to come to Luton and perform so well, it, it's been wonderful. And then you, Reese Burke, who obviously you, you've just spoken to there, who's had to bide his time, but once he's got that place, he's come in and he's made it his own, and you know at the start of the season you think well he's probably the backup. Uh, and it would be uh, Naismith and Lockyer and, and Bradley. And now you're wondering, will it 
he's not the backup. So who, who misses out? Um, you know, I mean, it's at the minute it's Bradley through um, injury. I think he's got a. I think he had a groin tear from the, the last time I spoke to to Nathan, which is not uh, doesn't sound fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it is a cracking time for defence and the clean sheets as well. Speak for themselves as a hell of a lot of them. Uh, it, it really is impressive and it, it it gives you that platform if you can keep them out as you know and you can nick a goal when you're not playing well or you can score a hat for if you are um, which a lot of the top sides do but, you know the consistency obviously from the whole side uh, I mean is it is not always there as you've seen with the recent result against against Birmingham but um that will come if you believe in this work in progress, which I do because I see it all the time. Um, you, you know, you start from a solid base, and and, and they are really, and you know, they, they've got some great finds in there. And the fact that most of them are for free is is astonishing. I mean, you speak of the work in progress. I think what highlights it most is that if you go back to the end as in the Blackburn game, the end of the great escape. The only one of those five defenders who were here is Sonny Bradley. Yeah. You know, Tom Lockyer came in in the following summer, uh, the COVID summer. Um, Gabe Osho also came in at that time. And obviously, Cal Smith last January and Reese Burke, summer just gone. And um, what I like about all of them is how they can read the game. Yeah. I always think it's a sign of a classy defender if they can read the game and be that split second ahead of the striker. Just by, you know, Reese Burke's definitely got that. Gabe Osho definitely got that. Cal Naismith, I mean, he's a natural at that. Sonny's getting so much better at that. Locks is going to get better at that the more he plays. It's, you know, I love the the differenceness of them as well. You know, it's they, they can all, like Simon said at the end of that first part, they can all play in different positions. And it, it's kind of... Uh, uh, the opposite to the kind of tradition, isn't it? Because the tradition was like the Arsenal back four, the settled four, the same four man, you know, get to know each other and everything else. But we're proving that we can play any kind of combination of three and they they fit for that particular game. And it's, it's I know it's modern football and it's the way it's approached now, but it just shows that we're there. It, it does. Um, yeah, that Arsenal back four, I mean, they were pretty stubborn, but um, pretty workmanlike. I don't think they'll have. I don't think you could uh, accuse Tony Adams of bursting out of the defence like uh, Gabe Osho would, or, or, or slotting a you know, ninety-seven minute winner like Cal Smith would. So, um, yeah, it's di- it, the football is so much different in its speed and its intensity now. I think um, that's. You, the squad game is obviously important. That's got to come into play. But there's a squad. You can have a squad where you've got your first eleven, and then you've got backup players, and that's kind of the trap you can fall into. Whereas if you look in the Premier League, you look at Man City. They've got two first 11s. They can play whatever they like, and they'll bat most teams four nil. And that's kind of what you're aiming for. But with Luton, it's on a huge shoestring, isn't it, really? So if you just look at the defence, they've got that strength and depth that they can play 
anyone they like in centre back, or they can move them out to to the to the wide position because Cowan A. Smith can play there and uh Gabe Osho has played there. I think Tom Lockwood even wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if if, if Burke can play there either. Um so it's uh it's a very nice problem to have. It really is, yeah. I'm mean, just on we haven't mentioned Peter Chioso in this list. He can definitely play centre back, but he's still kind of relatively fresh to uh to the squad and things and he's kind of year behind Gabe Osho, if you like, in terms of he's been out on loan at League One and maybe when we have this conversation in the future, we'll include him sort of in future seasons and things. Um, when everyone's fit then, James, what's the best three-man combination? <laughs> it's a tough one. It really is a tough one. Well, I think we have Cow left left side of the three, don't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah, ordinarily. Do you know, do you know what? I think he went uh, slightly off it a little bit after that goal for a couple of games. Um, but he does have leadership qualities, which I guess uh, you get him in there. But, you know, he can... Cow's now on certain set pieces as well, isn't he? So you've got to add that into the mix. And the set pieces have been fantastic since Sheehan's come into the coaching setup. So... On that basis, let's yeah, I'd say I have no. And he has, and he has that diagonal ball to breathe. That I mean, it's just sixpence job, isn't it? It's like yeah. if you play FIFA, you have to put the cursor where the ball's going to go, isn't it? And that's exactly what they do. Count and just Count Naismith just puts it on it. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a classy player, but he wasn't. He wasn't signed as a centre back, though, was he? <laughs> that's the thing. Um, but yeah, I think you can re- you can rely on him, um, which is which is important. So yeah, We're, so oh, there you go. Put A Smith in uh, for me. Uh, fit, I'd have Lockyer. I I would because he is a proper defender. Defender, he'll just put himself in the way of everything. Um, and he is a shit house as well, <laughs> so that always helps rile people up, uh, and also get Luton Town fans on side. Um, so I'd, I'd have him. Uh, the third one, oh, a tough one, isn't it? I'm going to go on current form, uh, and that alone. So this, so that can change, obviously, but on current form. I'd, stick, I'd go Gabe Usher. Um, he, he offers that athleticism and power. He's a willing runner. He has that ability, like you said uh, a couple of minutes ago, to sort of read the game and nip in front of a, uh, a forward player. Um, and he, he doesn't mind putting a challenge in as well. So uh, you know, he's, he's quite... Although it's early days, and I don't want to sort of burden him with any of anything, it does seem like he potentially could have the all-round package as a defender, and that's quite exciting. It really is exciting, yeah. I, I'm really excited by um, the potential of him. Still very, very young. Still so much improvement in him. Still, you wouldn't want to use the term raw because he's better than raw, but you know, he's by no means the polished, the polished article. That's for sure. And I mean. I'm glad I don't have Nathan's uh, sleepless nights working out which three to uh, 
to play at the back there because the crazy thing is, if you go back to pre-season, we lined up 4-3-3 in pre-season. So how the hell he was going to only shoehorn two of these five in, I've no idea. But, you know, fair play to them. They're all they're all staking a place. Uh, for the record, I would replace Lockyer with Burke from James's team. But I love Locks and I love Burke. Equally. Then we're both missing out Sonny, really, aren't we? And, and he's so dominant in the air. He is. I like, I'd like to think Burke can be that. Lockyer definitely is that, isn't he? So I think we've got them, them kind of qualities covered, haven't we? It's just, you know, Sonny brings that cool calmness that maybe Burke and Lockyer in pressurised situations would kind of lack because of their age maybe or or their inexperience in the squad sort of thing but I mean you know if someone said to me look Sonny's playing I wouldn't I w- wouldn't be disappointed or anything but I mean I'd be quite happy with Cal Osho Burke as my back three it's it worked at worked at Swansea it's worked a number of times this season two young players who can mature into something really 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 special and a guy who's just all class it's it's great but the, all the options, absolutely fantastic. And fair play to everyone involved in getting uh, getting five top, top-class options on, on, a, on a shoestring budget. I mean, you know, they're all free transfers. It's, it's incredible, really. It, re- it really is. Um, yeah, it is. You, you know, that, that, that doesn't happen too often. And like you said a minute ago with Man City, I mean, they might have two squads, but they've spent an awful lot of money on them, that's for sure. Uh, off the pitch, James. Um Chance, we've covered Chance a few times this season for the wrong reasons. Let's cover them for the right reasons. Uh, you're probably not an 80s pop fan, I I think it's fair to say, but I, I'm a fan of this song that you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, I don't know if Belinda Carlisle's retired or not, but you know, when Cal Naismith collects his player of the, his, uh, goal of the season and potentially player of the season award at the end of the season, maybe uh, she'd like to come along and um. <laughs> sing a new version of her song because it's definitely getting going. Uh, uh, Heaven is a place on earth is uh, is is now all about Cal, Cal Naismith. Yeah, it's a, it's a great pop song. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I'm glad it's now in the in the arsenal of uh, Luton Town's songs and chants. I just I, I just want to see more of that really because yeah, I've always had a bugbear about James Collins never had a song. You know he. he he helped fire Luton to the championship, never had a song, left never, never had a song. Uh, but now you've got, uh, Elijah's got a song and, and Cal's got a song. Um, you were saying at the weekend that, um, uh, James Bree and James, James Shea have got songs. James Bree and James Shea have got songs. And that's, that's great for me. I mean, you, you've, we had, we did talk about the, the terrible shining. Fortunately, that's still going on. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but but if you can overshadow it with that, it's fun. Uh, and they're tuned, you know, and it's what loads of other clubs do. And uh, for a while, it was a long period. I don't think Luton brought that in, uh, really. They didn't have too many songs about individual players. Uh, maybe that was a transient nature of the lower leagues, I don't know. But um or, or maybe it's the relative success of this current squad that is inspiring that. But it's um it's a welcome listen 
uh, on a Saturday, uh, and uh, I am all for it. I may continue come up with some more, uh, and just have a whole uh, chorus worth of uh, different different chants to to good songs that everyone knows. Yeah, there could be an eighties karaoke going on because it's two more eighties songs that came out of Birmingham on uh, Saturday. Uh, Eurythmics, "Sweet Dreams" for um, James Bree and uh, Blondie's "Tide Is High" for. Um, James Shea, uh, definitely Blondie for all the Atomic Kitten fans who might be out there. That's a terrible cover. Definitely Blondie's version. Yeah, fantastic too. Uh, particularly James Bree, actually, James, just on that because he's taken some stick this season. So, full credit to him and to the Luton fans for going complete 180 and uh, getting right behind him because, I mean, we've we've discussed the lad's qualities on the pitch. He's relentless. He's one of the best right-backs in the league and uh, to have a little pop ditty uh, sung about him uh, makes you know probably makes him feel so much better about himself. I think he does. I mean, I spoke to him um, the, the the last home game. I spoke to him, and he said it's the best he's been. It's the best he's played as a Luton player because um, his com- confidence sky high. I mean, that's helped by the fact that he's played every minute or did play every minute um, until a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he is now delivering. He's, he's got assists galore. His set pieces are so dangerous. Whereas at the beginning of the season, I think we probably spoke about it on here, it was so disappointing that his uh, corners were hitting the first man uh, and stuff like that. But it's um, he's, he's putting in some dangerous, dangerous crosses, whether it's dead ball or in play. And um, Yeah, he's sort of proving uh, Nathan Jones... Uh, praise right all the time so it, you know if his confidence was sky high before because of that you had a nice little song I'm sure they hear it they must and sometimes they go I'm just concentrating on the game but you know I, you're hearing it because if James Bree could hear one player one supporter moaning at him for those terrible crosses and have a go at him once he set up Elijah Adebayo which was kind of the turning point for that for that really wasn't it um, then, then he's definitely hearing you know, 350 Luton travelling fans singing, singing a new song about him. Yeah, there was no noise at Birmingham. Breezy heard that. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, they sung it for a better part of 10 minutes, really. I mean, could not hear it. It was, uh, it was fantastic. And then, you know, then Shazy got his one um, sung out as well. And yeah, more of them, please. More, whether it's 80 songs or whenever... Whenever the tune comes from, more of those, much more of those than the Carlos Mendes one, which is just that needs going back to the 80s and into the dustbin. Uh, that is a shocking one. Hopefully, James will sing a lot of these songs at some of these matches that are coming up, um, starting on Saturday with West Bromwich Albion. I absolutely hate it when clubs come to Kenworth Road with silly statistics like they've not scored in their last four games because. You may as well chalk them up with a goal now. It's it's just the way it always happens, isn't it? But they're a bloody awful watch, West Brom. Yeah. And they're re- really in there as our um, playoff rivals. Um, I'm going to come on to a statistic in a minute, actually, uh, because it's relevant to the next two games. Um, but how do you see this game going against West Brom? We were probably flattered by the scoreline down there at the start of the season. They went 3-0 up, pretty much declared, and then we got it back to 3-2. But... Um, Revenge? Oh, well, you'd like to think so, but I hate playing against them. And they, um, yeah, I just don't feel that confident about about it, unfortunately. Uh, now you've said those stats, that's 
you know, all set up for them to come and score like two or three, isn't it? I mean, they've got they've got really talented players in this squad. So God knows what's happening for it to be so awful at the moment. I mean, relatively awful, you say, aren't they? Because they're still knocking around the playoffs, but um, that says that they're not they're truly terrible. But well, I think the expectation at the start of the season was that them and Fulham would go straight back up, wasn't it? But clearly, there's the Ishmael style never fit in there, and whether Steve Bruce's style is any better. But you know, they they come to Kenilworth Road, bang out of form. I watched them on Monday night; they'd still be playing on Saturday, and they wouldn't be scoring. It was. You know, it, it was an absolute mess, but uh, it's just I hate these sides. New manager bounce, ain't scored in yonks, ain't won in yonks. It's like we're all kind of self-felt. And there is this statistic. The Loon have won 12 games this season in the championship and we have not had more than 50% possession in any of them. And we're going to get 50% and more possession on Saturday. Is that an anomaly? Is that is there something to that? Oh, so the stats don't lie on it in terms of uh, the results that have come from, from those. I don't think probably I don't think you can solely look at one one stat like that. Um, but I do think that Luton do play better on the counter uh, when they haven't got so much of a ball, and if they are giving it, then. Um, and it's that I'm not, not saying that West Ham parked the bus, uh, West Brom parked the bus, but there's an element of sitting back and saying, Will you try and break us down? I think that they, they do tend to find that a bit more difficult because a lot of the players uh, are pace based now uh, and they use the wings quite effectively. So if teams bed in, then it's, it's a lot more difficult. I think if you had um, players like Jordan Clark playing, uh, and to a certain extent, um, Luke Berry, there's more chance that they can pick the lock like, like that. But it's uh, not their natural, that's na- na- natural state. I don't know if it's the right phrase, but it's not what they're naturally good at at the moment, I don't think. So um, if that's what West Brom come to do, then it might be an awful watch. But um just, just not had very good results against them recently. So um, it, uh, I, I'm like you, I'm, I'm a bit trepidatious about that one. All these sides that let us have the ball, they all seem to be direct, physical, kick you up in the air, horrible to watch sides. Stoke, West Brom, Cardiff, Birmingham, Middlesbrough, all of these sides. And unfortunately, Stoke are the following game after West Brom. So if I've not caught up with sleep during the West Brom game, I sure as hell will it. At Stoke, uh, we don't need to repeat our record against them, do we? It's absolutely shocking, but surely we're due. Well, it's the same. It's the same scenario, though, isn't it? They've got, you know, like massive giants at the back uh, who were kicking Elijah about, um, and and they they have got talent in the middle of the park. I, I don't know how they're utilised because they're not clearly not ripping teams apart. But um, Joe Allen seems to really have a good game every time Luton. I've seen him play against Luton. He, he does show his quality, and he is a classy player. Um, he's knocking on a bit now, though, isn't he? So it's there's got to be a tipping point at some time, at some point. 
Um, but you know, <clears throat> when if you are going to knock uh, play on the counter, then you've got to get through that midfield somehow, and that didn't seem likely the last time. Or you've got to go around the sides and go up the wings. But even if you're doing that and you're crossing balls into the box and you've got someone like, uh, what's his name, Suter, it's an absolute man mountain. And, uh, you know, you can have Elijah up against him, but it's very difficult to try and win any sort of aerial advantage against a team like Stoke. Um, and they do have this, they do seem to have this Indian sign over, over Luton. Um, I don't sound very confident, do I? <laughs> I'll say these next two games, I mean, they're defining games, aren't they? Because they're two sides that are right around us and, you know, both going to be pushing for the top six, but they're just sides that we, it's the one thing we've not mastered in this division yet, how to deal with this physical, direct side that if you go behind against, you basically lost the game. You know, the first goal is going to be important in both of them. We saw that in the home game against Stoke, we never really looked like getting it back. Um, I believe Suter's out for the season, so we haven't got to come up against him, but, there's another one waiting in the wings. Exactly, they come off the they come off the bus there, don't they? It's like a reproduction line. It's it's crazy. Uh, I guess if you look at the league table, Derby County that's um, that's an easy game. But actually, if you put the proper points earned this season, they're not too far behind Stoke themselves. So thankfully, that's a home game. Should be a prettier game than the first two that we just previewed, uh, and it's probably a game that we do need to find a way to win. Drew two two at their place. Um, but we need to be beating teams at home, don't we? Uh, if we're going to, if we are going to get those top six aspirations, and uh, as tough as Derby might be, uh, assuming they are still in existence, then which hopefully for their sake they will be, um, needs to be three points. <coughs> yeah, I think the one thing about Derby is obviously they need to they need to keep winning. They need to tr- they've they've got a shout of preserving their status. And you're not going to do that by sitting in and um, uh, and being negative. So they might they may have to come out and play, and that as we it, sort of like the complete opposite of what we're talking about Stoke and West Brom. That will leave spaces and that will leave opportunities to counter. Um, and it's always nice to get one over Wayne Rooney, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, usually he's on the pitch having a moan, but I wouldn't mind him having a moan on the side. Yeah, no, you're right. It's complete role reversal. They'll have most of the ball in that game. We could play on the counter-attack and uh, hopefully it suits our needs. Um, I'll skip over Chelsea because we'll come on to that fully uh, in a moment, just on Derby potentially staying up in the Championship. We've had the Peterborough-Reading game on in the background whilst we're recording this podcast. And, you know, if they could both lose this game of football, they'd do very well. Nil-nil, 10 minutes ago. Um Middlesbrough away yet again we, we, this is a month it's a it's kind of a defining run actually because we've got so many sides that are our threats for a playoff place if indeed we are genuinely serious about top six um, Middlesbrough away we dealt with them quite comfortably at home but that was under Neil Warnock they have caught fire since Chris Wilder went there surprise surprise Warnock leaves and the team catches fire um, but we've generally gone okay there haven't we we won yeah. the first game, uh, won there in the first season back in the championship, thanks to Tony. And we would have won there last season, but for that ridiculous situation with the penalty and sending off and everything else. Um, can we do it again? Uh, I don't see why not. I think he plays decent football, Wilder. 
um, which uh, is uh, completely opposite to your Stokes uh, of the world. So yeah, there, there's a possibility. Um, I wouldn't. I know everyone gets a sort of bit excited about the playoffs, but I wouldn't. There's nothing that suggests to me at the moment that they've got the consistency to get there because every time they get on the precipice, like at the weekend, a chance, they uh, they lose quite spectacularly. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm completely at peace with that situation because <clears throat> as much of a, a ride it would be to get to the playoffs and somehow go up, I don't think it would be the right thing at this moment in time for Luton Town to go up. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind them uh, you know, challenging for the playoffs and, and getting up there and it, it shows that they're a good team and the, and the progression is there, which looks like that is on course. And that's kind of what, what you're after rather than playoffs. But, um, uh, So, it, you know, on the one hand, you want to be beating teams like Middlesbrough that are your supposed rivals. But I wouldn't get hung up on hung up on it if you don't. I just see a lot of people like sort of throwing their toys at the Bramman after after Birmingham because of that chance of the playoffs. And um, you know, Luton are massively punching against uh, above their weight. At the, at the moment and if they got in the playoffs it would be even more so so um, you can be disappointed by a result but don't pin your hopes on on that if you get there enjoy it that's it yeah I would agree with that um, in terms of it's not the be all and end all I think people are looking at the playoffs as the next sign of progression we've gone from being safe in the championship to a top half finish the kind of next step is the playoffs and then, you know, whether we get the playoffs or not, going back to sort of the league two days when we when we lost in the playoffs and then won the following season, won the yeah. season, it would be kind of that similar sort of progression line. I don't think any, I don't think everyone's kind of do or die on the playoffs. It's one of those, it also keeps the interest in the season alive for a little bit longer, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. I, for me, I think the, pro- the progression element would be sort of being in and around the mix and challenging for the playoffs. Uh, anything above than that is, I, I would say, would be exceeding my expectations. But to go from uh, mid-table last season to maybe, you know, permanently around the six, seven, eight mark, uh, even ten at the minute, uh, is progression, um, and I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think most people would. Um, final game that we'll preview before, um, well, in this podcast, we'll we'll, we'll return ahead of the QPR um, game for the March podcast. A game I'm sure you're looking forward to, James. Coventry away. I know it's one of your favourite stadiums. Um, <laughs> they do play nice football, though, to be fair to them. Um, they uh, but they, they seem to have hit the buffers a little bit recently. And they were well ahead of us when they came here, weren't they? We'd done them five. Yeah. Um, now we're ahead of them. Uh, Birmingham did us five and then did us three. So can we go and do the double over them? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. I think the, the, the five is that's, that was an anonym, anomaly because they were uh, the chance of going top that game. I think was that right? And they got completely outplayed. It's going to happen uh, every now and again with the way Luton play. That every now and again they will 
give someone a hide in and it happens to be Coventry there. I think they're pretty decent at the Rico, aren't they? Um, yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got a pretty decent record. Uh, I hope, hopefully, it'll be warmer than the last time I went there and no rain because uh, I don't know why they bothered putting a roof on that stadium. It was pointless. Uh, uh, that's uh, I could barely remember the game other than that. Other than that, I was sat there like a block of ice getting rained on. It wasn't fun. Um, I, I'd fancy it though. I'd fancy the double there. Yeah, and we've got a really good record midweek this season. Um, one seven, drawn three, lost zero in midweek, as in Tuesday, Wednesday matches, not none of this Friday, Monday nonsense. Um, and obviously that's been rearranged from New Year's Day. So that will be one of our games in hand for those that are helping on making the playoffs this season. I think it's fair to say we've got a tough sort of five games ahead of us there. There are four teams in and around us and one team that would be in and around us if they could keep their house in order, which obviously they've not done. Uh, the biggest game though, James, quite possibly of um, this period, certainly from a profile point of view, if not importance in terms of where we are and things. Um, we welcome the world champions, the world club champions to Kenilworth Road on March the 2nd, uh, Wednesday, March 2nd, 7.15 kickoff live on BBC One, Chelsea. Um, last time the European champions came here, wasn't a bad night. Guessing we're going to get a similarly good night in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, the place will be rocking, no doubt about that. Um, even before that, they won the, the World Club Championship, but uh, there's no greater incentive now they are. And they, you're not just beating the European champions, beat the world champions. Um, they've got a great squad, I would say. Let's be honest, and they've they're relatively flying. I think they're out of the title race, but you know they they'll be on, uh, buoyed by that. Um, club championship win. Uh, you just got to try and make it as difficult as possible for them. Make the atmosphere as most hostile it can be. Uh, play to the best of your potential, and then hope that they're not at it. And that's that's all the best you can you can best you can hope for, really. And if it's uh, a great occasion, then um, then the wonderful. Just make it put in a good show in. Um, I mean, they didn't disgrace themselves at Stamford Bridge last season, to be honest. Uh, second half but um, and Luna are a better side than then, uh, but also Chelsea are a better side as well because they weren't going so well under Lampard and that was his last game wasn't it uh, Luna got him sacked uh, somehow even though he won <laughs> uh, and, uh, but under Tuchel they were much different much, much uh, a better prospect um, but yeah it's going to be exciting I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as everybody else will be and uh, the the fact that it's in midweek is not my favourite until you think that midweeks at the Kenny are something special. So, um, yeah, let's give them help. Absolutely, yeah. If, if Chelsea only play with one ball this time, that would be a um, <laughs> significant help to our chances, I suspect. Um, I mean, it's our three transfers against Romelu Lukaku's 97 million or whatever it was that uh, they paid for him. Uh, they may also be the League Cup winners by the time they come to Kenilworth Road because they've got the League Cup final the Sunday before. Hopefully, they, from a from a Luton fan's point of view, I know you've got a Liverpool, a Liverpool allegiance, but um, <laughs> from a Luton fan's, fan's point of view, hopefully Chelsea win that tie and they're still pissed from uh, celebrations when they come to our place. I guess it works the other way. If they've lost it, they could still be pissed off from that and um, 
I think it's better if they get taken all the way to extra time, get run around, run into the ground, and then suffer disappointment. I think they'd be gutted, and yeah, I think that'd be better. That would be uh, that. That would be fantastic. Um, I mean, it was only three one there last year. Okay, I know Sluga saved the penalty and all of that, but we had a two one. We had a couple of sniffs that you thought, "Cool, we could really get them at it here if that had gone in." Obviously, yeah. now the tables have turned because they're at our place. No one likes coming to Kenworth Road, least of all the big boys. Um, there is a chance you can see an upset coming. You can see how an upset could play out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, if Wellu and I, when you talk about league position, they're talking about progression. They can comfortably go toe to toe with uh, anyone in their division, as we've seen against Fulham and Bournemouth, uh, and that would suggest that they could give most teams a good game from the Premier League. There is a massive jump, but when you get to the top three of Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea, they're just in a class apart to everyone else. Um, so it. It is more like the old-fashioned type of cup tie where you, you've got to turn up and hope they don't. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, yeah, it's definitely possible. I think you know, you'll know more sort of in the hours before the game. You, you, I just, you just get a feeling in your gut, didn't you, whether it's going to, whether something special is going to happen. Um, but you can't know until then. It's half as good a game as the last time the European champions were in town, even though we lost that game. It'll be some game of football, that is for sure. Uh, season ticket holders, you've got until close of play on Saturday to get your tickets. No one wants to miss out on that. So uh, make sure you get them before the end of Saturday. I've already got mine. No one at all is getting anywhere near my seat on that occasion, apart from when I leave it when we score and uh, I jump too many rows down and someone probably gets in my place. Um, really looking forward to that cup tie. It's a great reward for the professionalism that we've shown the FA Cup so far. Uh, the fact that we haven't taken two lower league teams for granted. Yes, I know we made a load of changes against Cambridge, but we didn't take them for granted. We still played um, with the right attitude. And now we've got a night to remember. We've got a night that's going to make us an awful lot of cash. I mean, what do you get? 45% of the gate receipts, 125 grand for uh, TV cameras showing up. Similarly, if we win something like 100 grand, something like that, you know, winning that game could be all told worth half a million quid. And then you'll get a televised quarterfinal as well you know it's um it's bonus dosh but it's dosh that could all go into the coffers and sign someone in the summer so it's just going to be a great occasion for the accountants and for us fans yeah mainly for the fans boo your accountants yeah absolutely <laughs> but you know we're keeping our eyes on uh, on the on the cash as well pandemic world and all that's still going on and uh, that's um everything covered on the pitch of what's to come well, we all know what's to come off the pitch um, down the line. Not so much down the line, maybe, as it was last time we did a podcast, James. We, we expected um, the plans for Newlands Park to be approved. We actually expect them to be approved before the last podcast, but the council pissed about with some objection that no longer was an objection that meant that they had to wait another three weeks. And then the most boring and tedious council planning meeting of all time took place at the end of last month. Thankfully, they saw sense seven one seven one for the two plans yeah, in favour of them. Same person against them who really needs to come to the real world. Um, what did you? What, what, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm assuming you stayed awake long enough to get through from the start to the end. Um, <laughs> but good result. 
yeah, it's the result that we wanted. It's a bit delayed. Um, you know, it's not it's not the big one. Um, they are Luton Town's plans, but obviously they've sold the land, so that's now going to be developed by other people. But the, the plans are their plans. So if that comes to fruition, it's good for the town. Uh, and it sets up um, the power court application whenever that comes through, which hopefully will be this side of this side of summer. But we we wait on that one. Um, it, it it was the right result, but it was so frustrating. <laughs> the the one council that you're talking about, Councillor Gilbert Campbell uh, of. Birmingham, I think, is the only Tory councillor on there. He's voted or abstained against everything that Luton have put forward uh, from the outline planning applications for Power Court and Luton Park. He's objected. And um, I don't know what the people of Birmingham are doing voting for him because he showed himself to be uh, out of his depth really out of his depth um complaining about things that they weren't discussing um and and actually having a go at like, the chairman it was embarrassing really this is a man that people have voted to represent them um and you can have heated debates that's fine i've got no problem with that but he's actually had a personal go at the the chairman because uh he said that he didn't agree with anything he said and it's a perfectly reasonable statement because everything he said was utter gibberish <laughs> utter utter gibberish I wrote it all down if you want to read it you can go and read it go to lutonian.com um, and type in uh, Newton's Park plans approved despite Tory councillor sick of it Raoul. You you'll read it there's no point in me going over it now because um, it was just embarrassing this is an elected representative um, and he, he he essentially voted against this entire plan which would benefit the the town uh, of Luton economically, uh, uh, wonderfully, all the great arguments that we've always put through from since 2016 when the plans came out. Uh, and he he, he he basically voted against it because he couldn't understand anything that was in the in the paper. Um, it's by the by, really, but I just think that, you know, it, it needs to be called out. Uh, and if you... If it comes to the ballot box next time, please don't vote for people that, that, that can't understand basic plans. He's on the development committee, development control committee. These are the people that vote for planning applications. If you can't understand these things, shouldn't be there. Simple as that. Yeah, and it's this lack of understanding that has contributed to the amount of time that all of this thing keeps taking. I mean, by the end of the night, if I'd heard the words park and ride one more time, someone was getting something was getting chucked out of a window and it wouldn't have been um, wouldn't have been pretty it was i mean it was they weren't even there wasn't even a park and ride part of the plans yet there must have no. been but there must have been well into the 150s mentions of the term park and ride not just from councillor campbell councillor is saying as well and a couple of others were hell-bent on getting a discussion about a park and ride going that's for the power court plans that's coming in the future um the main thing is those plans were approved. Like James says, they're no longer affiliated to Luton Town Football Club, but we're not just a football podcast. We are part of the community. We do our best to uh, discuss the topics of the community. And of course, we always want to see Luton better itself on the football pitch, off the football pitch. 
and as a town as a whole. So we will keep on championing those Newlands Park plans and taking an interest in them, even though they may not now no longer directly be connected to us playing at Power Court. Um, just a few things for your diary before we um, leave. As I say, we'll be back for the next podcast ahead of the QPR game. That's been moved to a Sunday. So uh, keep your eyes and ears out and uh, subscribe to uh, all of your podcast places and you'll get a notification when podcasts drop. We're hoping to get a player again in March as well, but the fixture list is so unkind throughout March. It may not be until the international break when we get a chance to interview someone because of the training um, schedules and things like that. We will interview a former Luton player next week, though. Uh, Tony Thorpe is joining us for uh, an evening on Zoom on Thursday at 7pm, open to all Luton fans. Uh, Ticket details are on our website, and if you're a member, you'll have them in your email inbox. Um, And we will have an in-person player of the season presentation evening on uh, towards the end of the season. We will finalise a date and uh, get that announced and everything in the coming weeks. Um, but be prepared for those of you that normally attend that. We've had to do it via video for the last two seasons, but we're back in person at the end of this season with Simon Pitts joining us to host that and what should be a fantastic night to celebrate what will hopefully be a fantastic last third of the season. James, thanks for joining me for both parts of this podcast. I look forward to seeing you around some of these grounds that we go into. and. Um, Remember, if you want fantastic match reports and the talking points from all of these games, hit James's website, thelutonian.com, because there's some fantastic stuff on there. Until March, mate, take care, stay safe and uh, enjoy the football. Okay, pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. As I say, like, subscribe, review. If if you like the podcast, give us a review. We always want uh, feedback, positive and negative. We'll take that on board. And um, yeah, if you want to know when we'll drop the next podcast, give us a subscription and that'll land in your inbox. Until then, enjoy all the football. Really enjoy the Chelsea game. It's a fantastic reward for what we missed out on for the last two years when we couldn't go to football matches. Be loud, be proud, be looting town.